0: Welcome to Dungeon Talk! Higher level learning for your tabletop game!
1: And now, because you botched when you rolled for initiative, here's Evan and Michael! Arr, what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. we're doing a show here, and this is Dungeon Talk episode 26. On today's episode, our table topic will be: How do you keep people engaged when the party is split? And as a DM, how do you not that not let distracted players get to you or let, bother you when you're trying to run the game? Right. We've got a mailbag question from Andrew. And he asks, what do we think about rules light games versus rules-heavy games? And then we're going to try the new segment that we talked a little bit about called, right now we're calling it Council of Elders. We'll see if that name sticks, which we always say, and then we never end up changing the name. It, all, it just <laughs> remains. Because we're lazy. And what we're going to talk about is knowing your character. So when it comes time for, it's your turn, you know, and you're taking a bunch of time because you don't really know what you're, you haven't taken the time to invest in getting to know your character so that you can actually play him well all right so for the table topic how do you keep people engaged when the party is split and as a dm how do you not let distracted players get to you so last night when we were playing our um new world campaign there was we won't say anything that happened we won't go into any spoilers but basically throughout the game for the we play for like Three hours, and I would say the first two hours, everybody was doing different things. Like, a couple people would be together for a little bit, but then they would get pulled away by something, and one player at the game was by himself basically the whole time, and something really weird was happening to him that nobody else knew about, so he was by himself. You were working with him on that situation for a long time, and then you were going to different people around the table, and it kept, from your point of view, it kept looking to you like, well... I actually to say it looked to you it to say it looked to you like we were disengaged. We really were disengaged because we were all doing different things around the table. Like me and Rob were having side conversations, and and you're saying now that that kind of it was hard for you to keep involved because you were worried to yourself about you know. Is everybody having fun, or right. are they too distracted? And, uh, or?
0: and we've we've sort of touched on this topic before, but I think it was we we came at it more from the player side than the DM side. And I know we've talked before about social social cues. And as the DM, I am constantly reading the table, trying to figure out are, you know are people involved? Do I need to do something with their character? Are they bored? Do I need to have orcs kick in the door and start a fight? And it was just and it's one thing if it's just occasionally, but it was it was very constant. That last night, that almost always at least one person or one group of people were completely disengaged. And it, you know, again, I'm not trying to be like uh, sensitive about it. I mean, we talked a little bit before, that's probably the closest word I can come to because I'm not like sad or upset. I'm just. I'm worried about providing a good game. You know, you guys come to my house once a week, and well, I, I, don't, I, even I think don't want you guys to be like that sucked and then not come back.
1: Well, I even think that you could say it's okay to say that maybe you're a little upset by it, because I, I think I could compare it to being, you know, the, um, the guitar player slash singer that is there for an open mic night at a club, but nobody is paying attention to you. Like, you're up there playing, and you're up there singing, and just the whole room is involved in something else. You know, no, it doesn't seem like anyone here came to see you or is interested in you and being up there. I've kind of been there before and it kind of sucks.
0: Right. So I I guess part of the way that I run games and people that have listened to our actual plays made man and the the new one that's going to be starting a new world. I, I focus a lot on story and there are times where the story in my mind needs to happen in a certain way. And last night was a good example of that where, without getting too far into the specifics, Nick's character wasn't there last time, so he didn't really get to do anything. And there also was no combat at all. The entire session before, there was no combat. So I planned early on that I wanted to, A, get Nick reinvolved in the game, and B, I wanted there to be a combat. And that was a strange thing
1: because, well, see, it was a smaller group. It was just me, Rob, and Nico and you as the DM. And even though there wasn't any combat the whole time, we were all really engaged the oh, entire It was time. a
0: great, just heavy role-playing game. And I, I don't think it was until the end of the game that we were all like, you know, we didn't roll, but like 10 dice. I think I even put on on Twitter right after, is we just had a great game. Everyone had fun. And I don't think combined. All four of us. I don't think we rolled dice 10 times. Well, I never night. even
1: thought about it until after we were done. But when it
0: was over, then we kind of looked back. We're like, hey, we, did, you know, we didn't really do a combat. That's like like we were thinking that'd be the one thing that could have made it better was you know a quick combat. So I thought, well, this game I want to start off with a quick combat, kind of get everybody reinvigorated. And then, you know, as happens, it didn't go to plan. What was the quick combat in the beginning? It was Nick's character being attacked by the slugs. But it was just Nick by himself. Right but nick at this you know at this point he's a seventh level character and these things while they're very strange and they have interesting powers they're not that tough i really thought he could get away like in my head he would either defeat them or he would run away pretty quickly and, and again in my head that's what was supposed to have happened is that he would get away come find you and say hey this just happened you all go out together as a group and then that's when the big battle that i had planned would would happen but that didn't work out that way. So then what I had was a separate party. And then I was trying to go back and forth between Nick, Nick's character and Travis's character, same thing, trying to get them both involved. And even like during combat, I would do one round of combat with Nick and then I would go to Travis's character and I'd do, go back to one round of combat with Nick because I didn't want to just focus on Nick for that long. And then while that was happening, you, uh, Rob and Nico were all together having sort of a role play moment So I kept trying to switch back and forth between the groups, but it just wasn't working, I guess, quick enough because as I was talking to Nick, you and Rob would have a side conversation or as I was talking to Travis, Nico was on his computer. And just again, from a social cue standpoint, it looked to me like, I mean, why are we even playing at this point? And how did that make you feel? Like shit! (laughs) Like shit!
1: All right, your time is up. It'll be one hundred and fifty dollars.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Can I, can I have five more minutes?
1: Friday next week.
0: Friday next week. Yeah, uh, yeah. So again, I just felt like, you know, I just felt like I'm not not providing a good game. You know, and it's just it's like anything else. I'm like, well, maybe it was just a bad plan because I know games happen that way. You'll sometimes you'll have great sessions and you'll have bad sessions. And that does one session won't kill a game. But I just started kind of, like, second-guessing my my plan. Like, you know, should I do this and should I do that? And I did speed things up. Like, there was, a, there was a point where I just started moving things really quickly to try to get to the next scene, and I wanted to get you guys together. And even then, it was almost like a comedy of errors. It, people kept going off on their own. Even when, when I tried to just put you guys together, you still sort of separated yourself. So it was probably two and a half hours of the three-hour session you guys were in groups.
1: Well, it's... And- it's also the it's it's also just the environment that we're in right now I think kind of um, opens itself opens itself up for us to be this more let's go off and explore this or let's go off and find this person because instead of us our games are never typical and instead of us being in a dungeon where we like all right everybody's back together and we're all in this together and nobody's split up and you know we don't think like that because we, yeah, our games aren't typical, and instead of us being in a dungeon with our backs together saying, we need to stick together, don't let nobody wander off, we need we need everybody right now, just the inv- things that have been going on on the island have, like, because we don't know who to trust, we don't know who's who, and we're often thinking like, I wonder what this person is doing or I wonder what they're up to. It leads, it tend it leads itself into like my, for me, my character, I'm always, I'm thinking maybe I should go by myself to speak with this person in private, or maybe I should go by myself because I don't want to take a big party and I don't want to attract a bunch of attention to go check out and maybe spy on this person, which I've had that thought before, but didn't do. And so just the nature of the island, the nature of what's going on, the, the the mentality of let's keep the party together isn't there to begin with. Yeah,
0: And I can see that, and I'm not even necessarily thinking that it's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. As it's just as, the nature I'm just, of I'm just trying to find ways, um, you know, would it be better to do some of that, like through email, like in between weeks, like if you're wanting to spy on someone, say, hey, this is what I want, what I want to do, and then we could handle some of that through email and that way it's not taking up everyone's time at the table. Well, I think what you're
1: doing is you're you have five faces that you remember from last night that were all distracted and not paying attention to you. And you're taking that and going, "Okay, what did I do wrong last night that caused that, and how can I fix it?" So you're taking that and going, "What did I do to cause this?" What went wrong and how can I fix it? Right. And I don't think you should be because I I think after last night, everybody went, That's that was a great game. I had a great time. It definitely ended on a high note. It ended with a bang. So instead of looking back now and thinking, what can, should I have done to fix it? I think you did that in game because you said that you were focusing on how can I... You kept trying to get the party together, and you noticed that everybody was kind of distracted and off doing their own thing. So, in the game, you realized what was going on, and you fixed it. And then we went out on a bang, and nobody even cared. When we left the game, we were not thinking, man, that was kind of boring, and I was off by myself for a while, and I wish, you know, this would have happened. Everybody we had a really intense moment that happened at the end and everybody was thinking that was awesome.
0: And um, I thought it worked out actually pretty, pretty I don't know, funny is um, you you know that your camp has been infiltrated and that there's people there that may not be who they, who they are, who they seem to be. And you got a group of them together and you just sort of doodled out a little map for yourself. And it just so
1: happened happened that the, the last, last one.
0: person was the one. And yeah. then, was, like I saw that, I was just like, "That is awesome." So you went all the way around the room, and you were doing your little thing. And then the last person, um, and I think I sent I sent you a text today. Like what I was trying to invoke was the movie The Thing, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Like where they're trying where to figure they've out got the blood, blood, and they're and
1: they're like sticking the yes. hot needle or the hot piece of wire in the R- blood to see who
0: who the thing who was the thing is and that's that's what i was trying to convey now in my mind i wanted that feeling of sort of uncertainty it was
1: 100 percent, but that I wanted, was a thing moment
0: and, and that's what i wanted but i wanted it to be like two sessions like i wanted that to extend for several days but you Don't guys get
1: greedy but
0: you guys just kept pushing it forward that, and that's where i was like i said okay and i just let it let you guys fast forward because i realized it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be worth me slowing you down for my enjoyment of having that last longer, for your disappointment of not being able to move the story along. If that makes right. sense, so I just kind of let you do so what you, you did. So you
1: conceded a little part of what you wanted, yep. because you kind of saw what we were trying to get, and yep. you let us have it,
0: which was great. And it yeah, and it, and it, it ended, worked. It ended on a on a bang with and funny at the same. It was like classical horror movie where it was scary intense, but it was also funny at the same time because of the reaction that you gave and you guys will see that. Well, you'll hear that hopefully soon. I was, I can't
1: talk about it unless we say spoiler I like guess spoiler alert. Nah, uh, we'll yeah. Just, yeah. It was, yeah, it's a good moment. I, w- I want to talk about it, but I don't want to give anything away. Um, Unless we have two completely separate, unless the dungeon talk people are like, I'm not fucking with the men. <laughs> and the Maid men people are like, screw dungeon, dungeon talk. talk. We have two completely that? separate yeah. audiences. Um, yeah, I don't think, I think that you wanted a certain reaction and you wanted a certain feeling and you got it. But it just didn't get there the yeah. way you wanted it to, but you still got it. I, I think, think it was successful.
0: Yeah, again, I, I think it ended on a high note, and and I know enough about like presentations and speeches to know that the end is all the people remember. Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't lose them completely in the beginning and the middle, if the end is good, then they'll think that was a great speech. And that's kind of what happened with that game. The beginning and the middle, at least from your guys' perspective, wasn't great, but the ending was really good, so everyone probably left. So I think the, the point I wanted to talk about in the podcast wasn't so much like therapy for me as sort of advice to other DMs that... You do need to read your table and you need to react to it, but it you're probably magnifying what you see and and you're probably reading in intent that's not there. It's just like the guy that's on stage who
1: when like you're sweating and you lock up, and people in the audience are thinking like it's not that bad, man, just just keep playing so keep just, going yeah, if you just keep going, it'll be fine, but it you don't feel like that at all when all the eyes are on you when there's a hundred people that are looking at you you don't feel like that at all just like if you're the DM and everybody's looking at you you don't feel that same way at all. so my
0: general advice would be try not to split the party I know we talk about that from the player's perspective that you shouldn't split the party as a DM it's not a good idea either because it does make it more difficult to keep everyone engaged I probably will do it again because of the way I run my stories it's going to happen but you should use it sparingly And then try to move very quickly around so that people aren't getting distracted. Um, As long as you identify, if you're
1: sitting there and the party is split up and you see that everyone, you see that everyone's distracted, you know, one person was on their computer, me and another person were having side conversations talking about other stuff. As long as you take that, you see it, and in the moment you start to go you start to think to yourself how can i fix this how can i get it going then you're fine the only time that i think it, you're wrong is when you just let it happen when you just let it continue because then that's when people are you're not going to
0: have that moment where everybody comes together right. so uh, there there was supposed to be a fairly large scale battle last night where everybody would be involved and then just because it just didn't work out the way I had planned, and I thought it would be kind of silly to add it in later just to do it. That was what was supposed to happen to bring everybody together. But I think, I think the payoff was good enough, which now we're, 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 we are way overselling this, but I thought the payoff was enough that it actually worked out better. It's almost like a slow build in a movie. You got to put up with some of the, yeah, he's just watching TV. Better than Die Hard. Uh, I don't know about that. yippee motherfucker, it's a pretty good moment. But it was still pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. You're just saying we're overselling it. Yeah, definitely overselling it.
0: So anyway, let's move on.
1: Okay. Do you want to go to the mailbag question? Sure, let's go to the mailbag. Ooh. Message for you, sir. From Andrew. Yeah, I'll who go. Who asked us about rules light games versus rules heavy games. Yep. This your- is
0: this is something that we we almost talked about it on the last one. I, I think I mentioned we had two questions and we'd see if we got to both of them and we didn't. And I was a little bit hesitant to answer this one and i'll try to summarize it and basically he's asking about um what do we think in general terms about rules like games and he gives some example wushu open or risis which i've never heard of um as opposed to heavy uh, rules heavy games like dungeons and dragons three five or 13th age and he goes on to say that he's found that in rules light games it seems to encourage more player contribution than heavy rules games and that um, those games, l- light rules seem to be more lighthearted. So I don't know. I was just wondering. Um... So the reason I was hesitant to talk about the question last time is that we don't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, you know, you particular, you've pretty much only played. I don't know what any of those that you just said are. Uh, yeah. Well, I have not heard of uh, the other two. Like, uh, I've actually heard. Well, I've heard of Wushu Open, but I've never played it. I've never heard of Rhysis or Risis, however you say it. And uh, we've we talked about Fate. We're not going to get. This isn't going to be fate number three, but that's probably the most experience I've had with a rules light game. So I don't know, I don't know what kind of insight that I have to add. But we can talk about D and D next compared to the fourth edition and three point five, which we have played, and kind of extrapolate on that. And in general, I would agree with him. I think that the rules light games tend to sort of allow characters to do more role playing and more creative uh, interaction or at least it encourages it. I'm sure there's there's some groups that play original D&D tactical and there's some people that play fourth edition, very light I and mean, it happens. But I think the rule sets are designed that when you have all these options, it's, it's I do not say it's hard, it's unnecessary a lot of times to look outside of them. Because you've got something you can do in almost every situation on your sheet, where in a rules light game where you have attack score, well, how do you attack? I do a backflip off here, and I pick up that, and I do this, and I think it encourages more narration that a rules heavy game doesn't allow for because it's there's so much mechanics built into the game.
1: Yeah, and I th- and I think you were talking a lot about combat. Is that right? Yes. It. it you were talking more about the way rules affect combat and how that aspect of the game is rules heavy, but just outside of combat in the rest of the game, this goes back to when we were first talking about D&D Next and we were all excited about, you know, these new character sheets and how simple they were. And I know if you go back to previous podcasts, I've said this exact same thing before, but it just, it seems like the character sheet that has more, when you say rules, it sounds like, you're saying you're taking away things that you can do you're limiting that's what the the word rules is like i'm limiting what you can do you're not allowed to do this with those other games like 3.5 and fourth edition where you have the character sheets that have you know all of your skills and your abilities and it's supposed to provide you with things that you can do i think the more you put on the paper the more you lock yourself inside the box, because now you're just looking at what you can do. And when you're just looking at what the paper for what you can do, you're not thinking about maybe just random things that don't pertain to any of the stuff that's on the paper. You know, other things that you can do that have nothing to do with your climb score or your athletic score or your bluff score or, you know, random stuff like that. I think people get trapped inside this invisible box when you have a rules heavy game where they limit themselves to only thinking about there's so many rules to think about they limit themselves to what can i do based off of they're already thinking about the rules that are in place where if you have a light rules game you don't start your thinking process by thinking about the rules that are already there you it just it opens up in a a complete like an open imagination of what you can and can't do, or what should I do this turn or how should I solve this situation? Because you don't have this rule book kind of already implanted in your head that you're bouncing ideas off of going, well, can I do that? No, not really. That won't really work with the score that I have here. So, yeah, I, it, I'm it. i basically repeating myself from when from previous podcasts when we were talking about D&D Next and how awesome we thought it was, and now we're basically doing that with Fate But, like I said, then I think the light rules game, where you you kind of free up the book, you free up the character sheet, leads to a more it it leads to a more open minded approach to the game. That's what I think.
0: And well, I I agree with you. The first thought I had as you were talking was. you really <laughs> I know, I was like, going back to being a kid, you know, we playing, you know, cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians or whatever, where that's basically a role playing game without any rules. But then what happens is I shot you. No, I blocked it. No, I shot you. You missed or I've had my shield up. Do you ever
1: think back at, to like uh, when you were t- five and Timmy wanted to be the robber and you're like, yeah, Timmy's in jail now? <laughs> Yeah, you ever put that together? Like, the hmm. one that always wanted to, like when you were <laughs> when, you, when you're playing as a kid, and you have the one kid that's like, "Let's pretend we're robbing a bank." <laughs> and yeah. now you're grown up, and you're like, "Man, he got in a lot of trouble can't, when he grew up."
0: Can't really say that I put that together. <laughs> um, but I think about those games that you know we people play role playing games when they're little kids, but there's no rules, and that's what happens is you start to argue with "Why shot you?" and you missed. So all the rules do are provide a black and white, you know, kind of a action resol- uh, resolution mechanic. That's really all you need. Like you could have a, a, a role playing game that is simply, you tell me what you want to do, I decide like either percentile on a D20 or even on a D6, you roll one die if it works or it doesn't. And that's really all you would need for a game and you could play it. I think the more rules that you add it makes things more balanced so that you don't have one person who's just more creative than someone else who always get, you know, they, they, they can win every solution because they're just smarter or more intelligent or more charismatic or funny or whatever, better at speeches. So do you, in a certain way, do you think more rules help
1: um, less imaginative players?
0: I don't necessarily know if I, I would say it that way. I think it it, it lowers the curve. The people who are super to, mm. super imaginative are sort of brought down a little bit where the people who maybe... That's maybe, a different just, way of maybe just maybe just new to the game or brought up, because the the rules are like they're like bumpers and when you go bowling, they're going to keep you in the right spot. You still may not get a strike, but you know you're not going to go too far right or, or too far left. Where a professional bowler, they probably just get in the way. Yeah. And, you know, so there, there are hindrances. They always
1: get in my way. I know, me
0: too. That's Gosh. why I throw it into the next lane over. Yep. Um. That's why I don't bowl anymore. So I, I think a lot of it really would depend on the group you're in and your experience and just the type of games that you like. To say one's better or one's worse, I don't think you can do that. But if there's a type of game that you want to play, I'm sure there's different systems that would best support that, if that makes any sense. Yeah,
1: it makes sense. I th- It's a different way to look at it, say, like – As bumpers, I never thought about it that way before. But yeah, if you have a curve of people that are always trying to go above and beyond or trying to come up with these crazy ideas. If you were just sitting down at a table and you were thinking, and you were going to play a D&D-esque game, but you didn't know what D&D was, so you didn't have a rule book, you you might have a player that's like, well, I'm going to turn into a dragon and fly to another world. Well, with the rules, it brings them down like, well, you can't quite do that. You're not right. there yet. You're not that powerful. And, and it, on the opposite end, the same with people who are like, well, I don't really, you know, I don't know what I should do. They have everything there in front of right. you, in front of them, providing them the opportunity to to come up with ideas. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to look about
0: it. Right. So, and again, I will say it one more time. We are going to have a Fate game at some point, hopefully in the near future as a play test to continue with that. Once we've played playing, played Fate, I think we'll be better able to kind of maybe revisit this topic and talk about how, which is a very sort of rules light game compares to even D&D or some of the other editions of D&D. So we might, we might sa- revisit this would one. Would you say that Fate is a rules-lighter game? Or would you just say that the rules just apply in a different way? I definitely would say that there are rules light in that fighting is a good example. Um, I, I did a like an online test a few days ago with a couple of my Twitter buddies, Razor Storm and Caleb G. And Razor Storm ran just a little scenario for us, and we played Fate. And, for example, my character— Had they
1: played Fate before?
0: Um I think they had played Dresden Files, which was built on an old version of Fate. Fate Core is sort of like the unification of all the disparate Fate rules. But
1: did you feel like they knew what they were doing?
0: I felt, yeah, they they definitely knew more than than I did, uh, which isn't hard. But the point of that is that I had a fighting skill. Like I had a fighting number, it was plus whatever. And it works that same way, no matter how I'm fighting. Where in like D&D Next or even D&D in general, if I use a bow, I have a certain plus versus I use a dagger versus a sword. And the damage is different. So like in one of my favorite moments in that game is some guy was kind of rushing at the van I was driving. So I opened the car door really fast and hit, hit him in the nose. And I used my fighting skill for that. In a game like D&D, you would have to use improvised attack, which is generally not as good as your main attack. Then you have to use improvised damage, which generally is not as good as your normal damage. So it, in, in a statistical, mathematical way, it would be a bad idea to do that. The best thing would be just to hit him with your sword. But in the moment, it made so much more sense for me to do what I did. And the fact that I wasn't penalized for it encourages me to do it more. So, you know, doing backflips off walls and hitting people with a skateboard is just as effective as shooting him in the face with a gun. Now, is that realistic? No. But is it, from a cinematic standpoint in a game, Brings everybody on why would not you
1: say that that is realistic?
0: well, I think if I shot you in the face with a gun, you'd be dead. if I hit you in the back of the head with a skateboard, you probably have a headache, maybe unconscious, possibly a coma so there's just a a level a degree of danger or, or damage that 's hard to quantify because there are people who get shot in the face and don't die, mm-hmm. but you know those are those like or corner hit the cases. Head with a
1: skateboard and, do, and die. do
0: die right so but so you have to try to make things balance, and I think having a game like Fate where it just says. Anytime you fight, no matter what you're doing, you use this number and it's equally effective based off of your role versus a game like D&D or other um, fantasy games where it's like, well, it depends on your weapon, depends on your level, depends on your skill, depends on the situation. So going with the question, so you have,
1: that's one particular um, area of gameplay, let's just say fighting. Um, In Fate, where you have... When it comes to combat or fighting, I guess I wouldn't even call it combat, but fighting in general, you have, it's extremely rules light where you just have one ability or one score that you kind of apply to a range of what you're going to do better or worse than D&D, for instance, where the whole sheet that you have in front of you, like 75% of it is related to combat in some way or 80 percent of it maybe well most
0: of the rules in in all the games i've played at least the majority of the rules are based around combat because that is the part that needs the most number crunchy stuff because the role play stuff you can do that a lot more free form you can't actually role play and you can act in character and the DM can decide how good of a job you did but again that rewards people who are good at that versus someone who's new to the game but I think the, the the codification is most necessary in the combat resolution versus anything else. The thing with Fate is that it's the same rule for everything. Like, there's no difference in how I would fight you as I would run away from you, as I would charm you, as I would sneak. Like, it's all exactly the same. I roll the same dice. I apply a modifier based off of predetermined things. And that's it. It's the same. Where Games like D&D, some of them you have different mechanics. Like, you roll a certain way... And you apply certain things when you're fighting differently, when you're using skills differently, when you're using social skills. And I think that's where I would say it's rules light is it's basically one, one thing across all boards. It's just applied evenly in all areas of the game. So if I'm trying to find the lost temple of the Aztecs, or if I'm trying to hack into NASA, I roll the same dice, I apply the same skill and then I know what I did. I don't have to go, Oh, well hacking is this skill. It's based off of this. Because they are using this type of computer, but I'm using this type of computer. I get a plus two bonus. And yeah, it makes things in some cases more interesting. And I think it rewards system mastery. So the people who know the game better will be better at it versus someone who's new to the game. I don't know that. I think it's, again, it stifles creativity. Someone going, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Right. I didn't know I could do that. And you're like, well, I have these, this book that just came out last week and here's the advanced copy. So now I can I can do this thing that you can't do. I don't know. I'm not much on games that reward skill master. I think, or system master. I think it should be the player's creativity more than the person. It's going back to Magic. If I buy the best cards, I'm going to win most of the time. I'm sure
1: there's a. I'm sure there's other games out there that are like. I'm sure there's a. Well, I guess I don't know. Are there other games to choose from out there that's like Fate or the Dresden Files? Because if there, I was just thinking if there is, and that's the kind of style and play that you like. Why has it always been D anD D that you liked so much instead of seeking out something like Fate or the or the Dresden Files? Well, I'm again, I don't have a lot of uh,
0: experience. Or is,
1: is the Dresden Files about a particular subject? It's not like Fate; you can do. It can take right. place in any world. Dresden that you want is it a, to. is
0: a character in a series of novels, and I I think the novels came first. Though I'm actually not sure on that. So I think there was a novel, and the game was built around the characters and, and the setting. Um, so the Dresden Files, yeah, it's a setting. It's like a urban fantasy you know, mixed together. Um, I think I mentioned before. I don't have a lot of experience with games outside of D and D, mostly just because. It's just the way it's worked out. I haven't particularly shunned other games. I just haven't had a lot of exposure to them. I, I started with d and I'm a fantasy junkie. So even when I play games that aren't fantasy, like I play superhero games, they're okay, but I don't like them as much. I still, like, even if I play Fate, we're, we're still going to play a, a fantasy D&D version of Fate. You're going to be fighting goblins and dragons and monsters uh, because that's just the type of stuff I, I like. I read fantasy books all the time. I occasionally will read a different type of book. So that's just my preference that D&D has always scratched that itch. I've never needed to to go outside of that. And then also, you know how I run games. I run them more story-based. So even if D&D isn't necessarily the game that's best suited for my type of style, I've always found a way to make it work. That was a funny thing for me
1: when, you know, just a few years ago, when you said, you ever played D&D? And I was like, no. And you were like, well, you should come try this. Learning to play D&D was one of the speed bumps at first was I didn't know what the D&D universe was like because I didn't read fantasy books when I was a kid. I'm not I wasn't really into fantasy movies. So just little things like terminology like when somebody on the other side of the table says the name of a creature like I don't know what you're talking about or you know when you in a in a town or a village or a city or even a bigger city when you say something that everybody knows is a blacksmith, when you say that, you know what that person is. But I don't know. If you say if you say some other title of somebody that exists in that city, like I wouldn't know what you're talking about that either. Yeah. So that was kind of
0: like a learning curve and a speed but, bump for and me we kind and of, l- going into it. We kinda of ran into that too when we played Deadlands is I I think we all had fun with Deadlands. And we we had talked about continuing to play it and Nico was sort of the lone voice that's like, Yeah, you know, I'm not really into this. And it's because he didn't grow up with a cowboy and in Indian culture. Right. So so the setting, you know, I think there's there's just something about the Wild West that a lot of men are drawn to. Right. When you're like, okay, you're in a saloon, and we're like,
1: all right, cool. And finally. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're doing gonna, this. Give me a shot of whiskey, and Nico... Just because, yeah, we talked about that afterwards. Nico just didn't have that picture in his mind like we did of this cool place that we were getting to be involved in. He just didn't have that. It didn't mean
0: anything to him. So it's probably very similar to that. But I I grew up reading Lord of the Rings and fantasy stories and Saberhagen and Wheel of Time. And so I'm just immersed in fantasy literature and and books. So, you know, in my mind, I'm always seeing things fully formed, which not everybody is. But, yeah, so I don't know. Again, Andrew, I don't know we – have enough experience to got really got a little off topic, but yeah, that was a good conversation.
1: Yeah, but we did basically agree about rules light versus rules heavy. We both, and it's everybody's own opinion out there. We're just saying between the two of us, I think we both agree that we like the rules light game just because it helps encourage imagination. Okay. That's the way I feel about it. I'd love to hear if anybody else has a strong opinion, you know, the other
0: way. And if anyone feels like we're rambling a lot, send us more topics so that we can stay on topic. Because we're kind of running out now of mailbag questions and just general table topic stuff. Yeah, but tell us
1: what you think. Uh, rules light versus rules heavy on... Uh, you, can, you can tweet us or, or um, go to our Facebook page and, and post on there what you think about it. Yep. Um, our last topic is going to be something new council of elders and we don't quite know how we're going to get into it but the subject that we want to cover is knowing your character and ca- the way we want to talk about that is the purpose of it what we want to get out of this is to basically discuss something that happens around the table our game or your game that's eventually you know what we want is for you to send us in things that you see happening around our your table for us to discuss, and we want to talk about it as if it's you know something that has occur that like a problem that your city is I'm, having I'm that you want to a, make a law about a
0: grievance. So the way I imagine it is that we are like sitting in judgment, like a council of elders, in like a fantasy type setting. And the listeners, you guys are sending in your grievances. Like we should have someone bring us like wine and cheese <laughs> while we're doing this. Well, I, that happens all the time. Oh yeah. Um, so basically, you would come to us with a grievance. If your kids were here, we could send them back.
1: <laughs> go to the refrigerator.
0: And then and we will hear your petition, and we will make a declaration or a judgment, either for in favor or against, and and make a proclamation. And some of these may end up going on the website. We may we're talking about making a page of. So sort of I like want to add
1: a, a page, basically a law book.
0: Yeah, page, and these are our, more these are more social things, right? Uh, social contract stuff at the table. I can't think of any in game stuff that would. Well, for instance, we were you were talking
1: like, uh, does somebody at your table eat while they're playing? And they make a mess on the table, or they're, you're, you're uh, for instance, was they're eating Cheetos and they have the orange powder all over their fingers, but then you're playing a three point five or a fourth edition game, and you're reaching, they're getting it on the pieces M- and the dice truth. and yeah. on the table and in our city, you would get flogged for that. <laughs> that is a clear rule that is a clear law violation, yes.
0: and I'm, I'm sure there's some mechanical in-game stuff too. It could be you know like a cleric not healing the fighter because of an out of game disagreement or something i don't know but mostly we're thinking about them from that's a, so- a good one yeah you social... don't let
1: things that happen out of the game influence your character's decision in the game stuff like that
0: so what are we what are we going to start off with first of all we had to call the cancel in the session
1: that doesn't sound quite
0: i think it's because it's on the there we much go much better there you go and yes, I did buy a replica gavel. <laughs> right. That's not a sound effect. I could easily have just got a piece of wood and another piece a of wood. This is a really nice gavel, it looks like,
1: too. I would think I would see this in a courtroom.
0: Yes. All right. So the Council of Elders has been convened. What is your grievance? I object. <laughs> <laughs> um, I find you in contempt.
1: <laughs> I find myself in contempt. Why should you be any different? What is your grievance? The players around my table take too long when it comes their turn because they don't know their characters. Give me a
0: specific example of this grievance.
1: I don't want to throw anybody under the bus at our game. No,
0: no <laughs> names. Um, <Peasant>? Chad. <laughs> no, Bob.
1: Bob. When it comes time for his turn, he always takes too long because he doesn't know his character. So he, we're in combat. And everybody else around the table is getting bored and wants him to hurry up and make a decision. But he is, let's say, a wizard and he's searching through his spells and he's reading his spells because he didn't take the time beforehand to learn them and get to know them. So that because I could see it would be okay if he wasn't sure what spell to use in that situation. So he's like looking through his spells, like oh, I'm just not sure what to do. But if he's looking through his spells because he doesn't know what his spells do, then that is an instance of he didn't take the t- he he has not taken any time to get to know his character. He hasn't done any work in advance to help the game go along smoothly and for everybody else at the table, so they're not waiting on his slow ass to look through his spells because he doesn't know what they do or how they work. So he's scrolling. Flipping papers because he printed off his spell book or flipping pages or going like, oh, shoot, I don't know which ones did I memorize today or I don't know what this spell does. Hang on. And he's sitting there in silence reading it. And it just, it's so aggravating. I agree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's settled. Yeah. All in favor. (laughs) Say (laughs) it. So what should we... How should we encourage this player to fix that? Should the DM skip them and just say, mm. you know, give them five seconds if they don't come up with their action, move on? First, um, I think you put them on the rack. Some light whipping. It's um, going to a I, weird place. I I'm into it so
1: far. <laughs> uh, um, let me get my pants. I don't know how you could encourage. Yeah, how do you go to somebody and say, hey, you're ruining the game? <laughs> <laughs> no, not say that, but go to a player and say there's something about what you're doing that i want you to change or i think it would be a good idea if you did this because it would help the because i feel like at our game i would feel out of place doing anything like that i would feel out of place um saying to anybody like um it would probably be a good idea if you knew your spell book ahead of time okay see you later (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think and then from, you hear tires squeal right, and... I think
0: from a DM perspective you should probably just skip their turn like you give them so many you know give them a reasonable amount of time and if they don't know what they want to do then you just move on are you saying they lose their turn well basically you put them on hold they don't necessarily lose it completely but they don't get to act that time, like you basically put them on hold, and and then they can jump back in later. But if they still don't have a, a, a something decided by the time you start the next round, then they just skip them again. You would, w- yeah. in which
1: case they've lost a turn. Yes. So it's their turn, and they're sitting there, and it's been mm, thirty seconds, and you go, "Okay, Bob, I'm gonna pass you. You want to do a little role playing?
0: No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, it's my it's still my turn. <laughs> I well, I would say that combat, the the rounds mechanic is just a way to simulate that everything's happening all at once, and your indecision at the table is reflected by the indecision of your character, so you are doing nothing on your turn. You're fired. You're, fi- you're fired. So, I would skip around. I even did that with at our game not too long ago with Nick, who has a similar situation. He's playing a druid, lots of spells, and there were a couple times where I said, all right, I'm coming back to you, but that was like a one-time A sort part of, of me feels bad for them, too, because
1: I... Made a wizard and then went. I'm not playing this because I was looking at the spells and like how you memorize them, how many you use each day, all the spells that are there, how they have weird effects, and I'm like, this is way too much. This is way too much. I can't deal with this. I don't know that I haven't been playing the. This sounds terrible, but I've been playing the game for a few years now, maybe like two years total from, or two and a half years from the times that we split up, but. I don't even feel like I know the game well enough to play a wizard because when I made it, I was just like, this is way too much. So I see them and I see myself doing the exact same thing if I was in their shoes. But yeah, it is wasting a bunch of time. It drags the game down and it needs to move along faster to keep the rest of the players interested because it's not, yeah, it's not just, it's not all about you. Anyway, so anyways, how how do you?
0: Well, I would say, so first of all, if they're a new player, especially if they're brand new, that you need to have a little bit more leniency and understanding that what they're struggling with. Because you're right, playing a wizard or a cleric or a druid or even a bard probably for off the bat is difficult. Secondly, are they starting at higher level? Because that's what happened with you is the first time you ever rolled a wizard, you were, I think, a fourth level wizard, which means you have a lot more spells that you have to deal with. If you were a first level wizard, you'd have like three things you could do. It's very simple. And then you build upon that. But if you come in and you're playing like a 15th level wizard, that almost would need a PhD to be able to figure out at the same time. Thirdly, I would give them some suggestions to help facilitate that. And I've actually been thinking of ways to do that with a couple of the guys at our table, because when I was at Gen Con, the the way they were, like one of the DMs brought these like little colored glass beads for spell points which you can also buy them at D&D shops or, you know, uh, local game stores. There's like counters. And uh, and because in Savage Worlds, you get spell points. So they physically had like a handful of these little glass beads. So you had 20 spell points. Every time you cast a spell, you put the beads in a jar and you have 10 left. And then you put two more in there and you got eight left. So it's really easy to see how many points you have. So I was thinking maybe we could do something with like either an index card or actually a playing card. So you have like a number one up, a number two up, a number three up, a number four to represent the levels of spells. And then you have like a dice, like on a two or a bead. Okay, I have two first level spells. I have two second level spells. I cast a spell. Now I have one first level spell left. So you have a very quick visual beads representation. Beads is a really
1: good idea because the dice could get knocked around. Moved around,
0: yeah. I, I just thought that would be a way to, so you could just really easily go, okay, I got one fifth level spell left and one first level spell left. But also, I think first you just start
1: by when the game is over with, you just go, hey, eh having a little bit of trouble with your spell book or you're not, do you have any questions about any of those spells? Is there anything in there that you don't understand? And maybe that'll clear some stuff up right there. And that way, you know, next game he's not, if you can just clear it up for right. him, you know, maybe he just doesn't know exactly what's going
0: on. Well, the, the other thing that I would say is each day you have to pick the spells that you're going to use. So at, at least in, in that game day, those are the only spells you need to worry about. You don't necessarily have to go through every spell in the spell book. If that's if you're looking at spells that you don't actually have, then it doesn't matter at that moment what it does. All that's going to happen is you're going to go, oh, shoot, I wish I had memorized that one. Thank you for nothing. So start with the spells that you do know what do. If you're a wizard, sleep, magic missile, uh, charm person, you know, read the ones that you're going to use. And then on your own time, away from the table, read through all the other spells and go, oh, this spider climb spell is kind of neat. That might come in handy one time. I'll memorize it next time. If you're a cleric, cure wounds, um, you know, purify food and water, those types of things that you know you're probably going to use, memorize those. And then on your own time outside of the game, read the other ones that are more interesting or different and then start to memorize them. But I think that's what was happening is that we were going through spells that it didn't matter what they did. 'Cause they weren't memorized that day anyways. So not only was it a waste of time, it was a colossal waste of time. This Bob person of who we're speaking.
1: This we to it? Well, this
0: is slightly off off that, but I've seen the same thing in some of my past games where you'll have someone who they'll roll an attack and they'll do eight points of damage, for example. And then we'll go on to the next person in the back. Like, oh wait, wait, no, I get a plus D six because I haven't flanked. Okay. Oh wait, no! I'm using my magic hammer, so it's so like they. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I do. it. I'm looking directly at you. Yes, but that's well, we're because having a conversation. there's no one else here. He's pretty much. But that's the, it, but it's the same sort of situation that, realistically, I should just say no, too yeah. late, and move on. Your turn's over. Your Turns over, and
1: I gotta keep. I gotta yeah. go yeah. because sorry, you know, But you being a new new player,
0: going. particularly back then, I, I had a little bit more leniency. But it's not just spellcasters. I think that's one of the most obvious examples. In my case. I can't really defend myself because what you
1: said is correct. Like there lots and lots of times I just didn't know my character well enough to um, know that what I did was correct and that there wasn't anything else I could do after that. But I noticed that like what I did last night in our game was because I'm so nervous of doing something wrong. I'm so nervous of making a mistake that. And I'm not confident in the game's rules enough to just do what I want to do and go, yeah, that was right. So I'm just, it's my confidence level in the game that constantly is making me go, "Um, guys, is this, is this right? Do I add the 12 here or do I get this plus to attack or whatever? Just because I'm worried, I'm so worried about not doing it correctly. And it doesn't really matter. I don't know why I'm so worried about it, but I'm just worried about, Crap, did I not get the right bonus? Or would it make, you know, is it, it, it could make a big d- difference when I attack or how much damage I do. And I got to make sure I get it right and I'm just nervous about not right. getting it right. So is there anything we should add to what I just wrote down? Or is that how we should word it for the, well, the first law of the book?
0: And after convening, the Council of Elders have made the following proclamation.
1: Hear ye, hear ye. Let it be known throughout the realms... That henceforth, all players, regardless of class, shall be required to know their abilities, skills, and spells to a degree that allows them to proceed upon their turn with efficiency. Failure to follow this law will result in forfeiture of their turn, and may the gods have mercy on their soul. Give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd_academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. on today's episode episode shit
0: (laughs) it was going so well
1: i know what was i saying
0: (laughs) nobody's watching um i hope not i'm not wearing pants I'm just breathing really I'm a fat guy breathing over here, trying to to keep it out of the mic. (laughs) Not editing that out. (laughs) Uh, Fuck you.
1: (laughs) You know, that person at the... No, never mind. (laughs) Hear ye, hear ye. Let it be known throughout the realms that henceforth all players... Regardless of class, shall be required to know their abilities, skills, and spells to a degree that allows them to proceed upon their turn with efficiency, lest their turn be forfeit. Failure to follow this rule. Oh, shit.
0: (laughs) You were doing so good, too.